You're listening to The Marketing Funnel Show, episode number 60. What happens at the end of your discovery calls when it's time to ask for the sale? Do you freeze up and step all over your words, or do you have a smooth and simple transition that feels natural and comfortable? Today, we're talking about how to make the sales process feel natural and non-icky, because we shouldn't dread asking for the sale. Welcome to the Marketing Funnel Show. I'm your host, Michelle Evans, and this is the podcast for coaches, experts, and online business owners to learn how to go from simply surviving to sold out using the power of marketing funnels. All right, let's jump into today's show. Hey there, welcome to today's show. If you're listening to this as it comes out, today is either Christmas Day or the day after Christmas. So if you celebrate, I hope you are enjoying a day filled with loved ones and memories. And if you listen to this afterwards, I hope you had a great (laughs) holiday week. In today's episode, we are taking the next step in the discovery call process, closing the sale. And if you've been following along in this series, you'll know that we've been talking all about how to run a discovery call so that it's a compelling and enticing journey for your prospects. And if you follow the five steps we outlined and covered in the last three episodes before today, so 57, 58, and 59, then asking for the sale is the natural next step and can feel totally aligned, totally comfortable, and totally natural. There's absolutely no need to feel weird or salesy. Let's quickly review the five steps to running your discovery call. So remember, all five of these things need to happen before you ever get to offering something to your prospect. And when you have these in your call and in your marketing funnel, boy, it really makes everything work really well together. All right, so step number one, is to clarify their goals. And again, I go into this in much more detail in episode number 58. Episode number two is agitate their current problem. Um, Step number three is emotionally connect to what their problem is costing them right now. So that's episode number 58. And then in 59, I go into much deeper into paint a picture of a better tomorrow and prove that you've done this before. Okay, so those are the five things that need to happen before you ever get into offering something to your prospect. So now that you've done that and you've set the stage for a great sales conversation, what's next? How can you transition from these great conversations into a sale without feeling squirmy and weird about asking, you know, do you want to buy from me? And if if you first, you know, first, if you follow the five steps, this will feel natural. And this is true, I should have mentioned this before, but this is true if you're on the phone having a one-on-one sale with somebody, if you're in person, if you're doing like a webinar, like all of these things need to happen before you ask for the sale, no matter how you ask for the sale. And once you've practiced it in a, a few times, it's really gonna feel natural as well. So there are two main ways that I'll transition from the discovery call conversation into asking for the sale. I'm gonna be honest, most of the time, probably 80 to 90% of the time, when I actually do follow these five steps in the discovery call process, 
I don't actually need to transition. The person I'm talking to usually says something like, hey, Michelle, that sounds like exactly what I want or what I've been looking for. How can we work together? So they actually do the transition for me. Um, And honestly, the first few times this happened, I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, what? Ooh, like I didn't even really know how to respond. So, you know, be prepared. If you do this right, you might be falling out of your chair as well. And now I pretty much expect it to happen. But for the few times when the person doesn't ask me first, here's how I transition. So way number one is the next step close. So this is my favorite way to move forward because it's a really natural extension of the conversation we've already been having. So basically I invite the person to agree that they've got a challenge and they want to hear how I'll help them solve that challenge. Remember, if you did the the first steps correctly, which I talk about in episode number 58, I believe, I've already gotten their agreement that we'll talk about how I can help them, right? That's like the first thing I do when we're clarifying their goals, we're setting the expectations. So here's how I might transition. Hey, Cheryl, we've been talking about how you've tried so many marketing things, but they're just not working for you. You aren't attracting the right people, you're not making sales consistently, and it just feels like an overwhelming puzzle to figure this out by yourself. If I could show you exactly how I'd help you solve this in your business, is that something you would want to see? So basically, I'm asking for her permission to continue having this conversation as we move into the sales conversation. But you can see how it's a natural extension of the conversation that we've been having. It's not something I'm just springing on her out of the blue. Like we're talking about marketing, her marketing, and then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I can solve this for you. Like this is a natural extension of the conversation we've already been having. And also I'm not leading with anything about what she would be buying from me. I'm not saying, hey, I've got this program where you get X number of calls a month. You know, you can have unlimited email and Voxer and blah, 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 right? I'm leaning with her desire. She wants to attract the right people and she wants to make consistent sales. And it's really, really important that you do that. And I know I've talked about it a few times in this series, but it's really important that you understand what those desires are for your for your audience because that's what they're gonna be spending money for, right? This is what they're investing in, is to solve that problem, to get that desire. It's not to have, you know, three or four phone calls with you a month. Like that's not actually what they're buying. What they're buying is whatever you're offering, right? It's the outcome of what you're offering. It's not the actual like nuts and bolts of how you offer it. All right, the second way that I might transition this conversation, so way number two is the confident close. I like this close as well, but I don't use it very often based on my own sales style. It's really effective though, and for you, it might feel better than the first one. So basically, this close is a way of summarizing and confirming with your prospect, with the person you're on the phone with, about how you can help them solve their challenge that they've been telling you about in your conversation. There's no need to pitch or hard sell your offer. Instead, you confidently move into the next conversation with a statement such as, hey Cheryl, based on everything we've been talking about today, including how frustrating it's been for you to figure out a marketing approach that attracts the right people, 
so that you consistently have new sales coming in, I really think a marketing funnel will be perfect for you. I'd love to outline my ideas for your marketing funnel and schedule a time to review them so that you can see how simple and straightforward making consistent sales can be. What does your schedule look like next Tuesday? So I've had success with both types of closes, but for me, it feels more comfortable to go with the first one. I'd suggest you try these two ways out for yourself and see what fits best for you or maybe some hybrid of the two that works better for you. Now, before we wrap this series up, I wanna share three extra tips with you that I've found to be invaluable in getting better and better at at running discovery calls. And these are things that people don't talk about a lot because, you know, people are talking about whatever, like what, how you structure your call or whatever. But these things really made a huge difference for me. So tip number one is to practice. Okay, <laughs> this tip seemed kind of silly and uncomfortable f- for me when I first heard about it until I actually swallowed my pride and did it. Find a peer, find a friend, find a mentor, find a coach, find somebody that will practice with you so that you can practice your discovery call. And they need to get in the mode of your actual client and not coach you through it, just let you go through it. And so, you know, setting setting expectations with them can really help. Practice the questions you're gonna ask. Practice the answers they'll give. Practice how you respond to those answers. Practice transitioning from questions to sales. You know, from your, from your five, um, uh, discovery call questions that you go through or steps that you go through and into the sales process. Practice, practice, practice. Honestly, spending, you know, two, three hours practicing how you run a discovery call will give you so much more confidence going into it. And it's worth it because you're not going to have to be thinking about, oh, okay, did I set, did I really clarify their, their, I, you know, their goals or, you know, ah, because it's really easy in the heat of the moment when you're nervous and, and somebody is like in front of you asking questions, it's really easy to get sidetracked. So if you practice and this becomes much more of a a comfortable skill, I guess, it really can help you. And I know if you're rolling your eyes and going, Michelle, that sounds awful. Look, I did the same thing. I rolled my eyes and I went, Ugh. and then, you know, when I did kind of swallow my pride and practice, everything changed, like everything changed. And I was able to confidently show up to these calls and, and do a great job to the point where, you know, probably like 85, 90% of people are saying, Hey, Michelle, how can I work with you? And so if that's something you want, you know, swallow your pride and practice too. Uh, tip number two, this is a biggie record and then listen to your calls. Oh, this talk about swallowing your pride. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you how many times. Oh, well, let's just get into this. So before you just start recording calls willy-nilly, like (laughs) be sure, I like to work in the word willy-nilly. We don't get to say that enough, but it's kind of a fun word. But before you just start recording calls, be sure that you know the recording laws of where you live because they can be drastically different. When I record calls, I usually say something like, 
hey, if it's okay with you, I'm gonna record our call today. That way we won't have to stress out about taking detailed notes and we can focus on our conversation. I've never had anyone say no to that. And if I'm meeting with them, um, you know, on, on Zoom or something, it's they see that I'm recording it as well. So it's not like it's a surprise. But I always let them know, hey, do you mind if I record this? And after your calls, I encourage you to re-listen to your call. You might want to wait until you have a few calls saved up, but listen with an observer's mind. Listen to the questions that you've asked. Listen to the person's responses. Find ways to improve. What could you have said differently or what clues did you miss in your conversation? Because when you're in the heat of the moment, you can miss things so easily. I know I do. And this is such a powerful way to improve. And it's even better if you listen with a coach or a colleague or a peer who also does sales calls because they may be able to pick up on missed opportunities when you don't hear them. The first time I did this and got feedback from my coach, I could not believe all the things that I missed because I was so focused on me and driving the conversation that I wanted to have that I missed a ton of opportunities with the person with whom I was speaking. And it can be really humbling to re-listen to yourself. It's so powerful in helping you to improve quickly. And I have to say, like, I first got this idea because I used to, um, when I was going through coach certification, we had to record our coaching calls and then listen to them with our own coaches. And I can't even tell you how much that helped me improve my coaching skills. But when I started doing this with my sales skills, holy moly, uh, that mastermind that I was in, we had to record uh, five sales calls a month. And then we had a sales coach that we worked with, um, who wasn't the big coach. It was a sales coach. And I'll tell you for the first probably three months of listening to those calls, the coach was just like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) you didn't set this. Like I, I was clear that I needed to, uh, shut up a lot more and ask more questions and just listen. And I also needed to have a plan. It was so obvious to me when I re-listened to those calls that I didn't have a plan for getting on the phone with people and I was just winging it. And it came across as, as you know, people lost confidence in what I had to offer. Like there's just a lot of stuff. And so I really encourage you to do this. And yeah, you might have some cringeworthy moments. I know I certainly did. Like there were times where I just wanted to smack some duct tape across my mouth and be like, shut up. Um, (laughs) But I never would have grown if I wouldn't have done that. So if you've never recorded your calls and then re-listened to them, I encourage you to do that. All right, tip number three is to follow up. Look, I know I shouldn't need to say this, but I do because I've been on the other side of sales calls. I've been trying to hire somebody and they don't follow up. Please, 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 whatever you do. If someone has taken the time to get on the phone with you, shared their desires and their problem with you, and you've committed to a follow-up action, just do it. Like if you need to put a calendar reminder on your on your phone or something of, you know, send proposal to Michelle, just do it. Seriously, you can set yourself apart from a lot of your competitors out there by simply doing what you say you will do when you say you're going to do it. 
So, you know, there you have it. We have completed our four-part series in kicking butt with discovery calls. Hopefully, this has helped you to get a lot more out of your conversations, and hopefully you've already started using some of those strategies in your own calls, and I'd love to hear back from you. As you were listening to this, did you think of someone who also could use some help with their discovery calls? Do they dread them? Do they not love them? Are they not getting the best results that they really know that they could be getting? If so, would you do both of us a big favor and share this episode with them? It's so easy to do from whatever podcast app you're listening to, or you can just share the URL for today's show notes at themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 60 and your friend can listen there. Okay, and then uh, last bit, I would love to know, how are you putting these discovery call uh, insights, I guess, into action? How are you, how have you changed how you approach your calls? What ahas have you had? What extra questions do you have? I'd love to hear all of them because these are so key for growing our business. Once we're comfortable doing this, then we can get comfortable on webinars or we can get comfortable at events. Like it just makes the whole process of attracting, engaging, and converting our audience so much easier, so much more natural, right? All right, have an amazing week and I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place, as we kick off the new year with another great episode of The Marketing Funnel Show. I'll see you then. 